This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined in studio once again by Jim Sebastio. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Brian. Good to see you. We have an important topic we're going to tackle here in a minute and a special guest to go along with that. Um, but before we do that, just a couple of quick announcements. One is if this podcast has been helpful to you, you go to iTunes and write a review for us. It helps us grow and, and get your feedback as well as spreads word of the podcast. And and also, if you have questions for us that you'd like us to, to try to address on the podcast, you can write us, go to practicalshepherding.com, and you can go to the contact page and write us, and we those come directly to me, and I'll see those, and we can work through them. If the if you need any other help, uh, practicalshepherding.com has a lot of options for you. If you can even give financially to help the ministry, you can go there and do that as well. Uh, we have a really important topic that, that just about every pastor is going to deal with, uh, probably not long into his ministry if he hasn't faced it yet. And so, Jim, would you take a minute, introduce the the topic, and biblically set it up for us, and then we'll introduce our guest. Yeah, thanks, Brian. We want to deal today with the subject of benevolence. And if I give a, a longer, unwieldy title, it would be something like how to do good to the poor without hurting them and dishonoring God. Uh, how do you do it in a way that honors God, doesn't dishonor God, that is, that doesn't violate certain biblical principles? Uh, the scriptures have a lot to say about benevolence, and uh, both as an individual ethic and as a corporate ethic. In fact, it, it states in uh, James chapter 1 that this is part of pure and undefiled religion. It's not just keeping yourself unspotted from the world, but it's doing good to those in crisis, and there highlights uh, widows and the fatherless. And then uh, there's a text, Brian, and among many that we could look at, but in First John chapter 3, where the word of God says in verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, and we'll talk about that, that whole issue of the brother in need, and, uh, and yet closes his heart against him. And that is, doesn't give him what he needs, and James de- deals with that also in, in James chapter 2. But if he does that, the question is asked, how does the love of God abide in him? And, and, the, and the answer there is, it doesn't. And, and that is, this is a matter of really... Of, of saving faith, and certainly it's a matter of being a faithful uh, pastor and also a faithful steward of God's resources to us. And so, again, Brian, you said uh, most everybody, I think it's every pastor at some point is going to have to deal with this. They're going to have to think through the biblical material, and they're going to find the struggle in regard to wisdom, the practical implementation of biblical truth. How do I show generosity? And yet also, how do I not get taken? How do we not get taken advantage of? Um, you're, you are going to have to deal with that. But anyway, so in dealing with this subject, uh, I asked Brian if we could bring in a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Denny Dillman. Uh, Denny is a, a pastor at a church called Henryville Community Church in Henryville, Indiana. And he also serves on staff at one of the largest churches in America, and and deals with their benevolence ministry and so he's able to have a a budget i'll ask him maybe ask if he can dare tell what that budget <laughs> is but a lot larger than most of our budgets uh in dealing with that but uh, i do want to welcome my friend uh and uh, co-labor in the gospel denny dillman thank you appreciate you guys denny before we get started maybe just a quick introduction uh, uh, to yourself i mentioned a couple of things but uh you've been a christian for how long oh golly uh since I was age 28, that began my journey to biblical Christianity. I wouldn't mark that as the time. I won't say how long now because that would tell how incredibly young I am. So I don't want to. We have a joke. That. Denny and I have a joke. Denny's <laughs> uh, son-in-law 
is a friend of mine, and and once um, he told he told Denny that he needed to seek wisdom from an older man, and so he came to me. Of course, mm. I'm six months older than than Denny, so Always. I said, "Well, I am an older man, so you know." So. I'm younger than you both. You are you, by, by about, no camera in the by studio, about ten years. Right. That, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's just a little little joke between us uh, over the the <laughs> times we gotten to know each other. Uh, Denny has been a help to me personally and pastorally. Uh, and been a help to our church. He's given some material to our deacons that we use in trying to evaluate uh, helping those particularly who are without uh, the church, outside the church. So, Denny, you've been involved not just as a pastor, and as a pastor, obviously, you study the Word. You, you've had to deal with this on a in your home church, I imagine, now at Henryville Community, which right. you've pastored for the last how many? Six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. You've been on staff dealing with benevolence, at Southeast Christian Church for... Right. I've been there for 14 years. 14 years. Mm-hmm. How did you get involved in that ministry? How did they say, we want Denny... How did Denny Dillman get that they thought you had what it takes to be to head up this, this kind of ministry? I wore the I'm Awesome t-shirt that day, <laughs> and people... No, I, I, was, uh, I was actually came on staff at Southeast, came from a, an urban church... Uh, we did outreach to at-risk urban youth and came on staff as the urban outreach minister. Okay. Uh, and then uh, uh, the nature of that, obviously, would be the efforts of uh, demonstrating uh, mercy toward uh, people in need. And so that was always a part of the dynamic of ministry for me coming into that role and then before that. And then ultimately, um, uh, there were some some changes, uh, different understandings that we should bring both member and non-member benevolence together. And the role opened up, and so I uh, interviewed for that role. It was a, a, a quote, lateral move uh, of ministry, but uh, it allowed me to, to move to a place where the entire focus of what I do is on benevolence. Okay. Uh, maybe set up just a little bit. I, I try to give a few texts, and, and when you, you've studied this, you, you, you've obviously given a lot of thought, prayer, and Bible study, and and uh, also you've read a number of resources, I know, trying to help guide you and give you uh, priorities and perspectives. Uh, maybe deal first of all with you know, what stands out first of all when you study when you study the scriptures on this subject of, of benevolence. What's the what's been the major burden that you get as you study the scriptures? Well, throughout scriptures, we find um, a call to care for the poor. Um, where that gets a little bit wonky is in our first world American context, mm-hmm. um, we, we can twist and turn on scriptures in so many ways where ultimately where we end up is a place that does not line up with scripture at all. And it's, it's easy to get there. The other is you quoted a verse from 1 John 3. That's usually a verse that's used as a manipulative verse from somebody who um, who's, doesn't like the answer that we've had to give them. Uh, go ahead. So you're already you're you're already leading to a point, which is part of what we're going to have to deal with. This is that there's tension. Right. It, it's this is not a simple matter. This isn't like give the gospel to everybody. Uh, there's no exceptions to that. You give the gospel to everybody. You give right. the gospel to atheists. You give it to no matter what their sin is. It doesn't matter what their religious background is. Male, female, rich, poor. But there is tension in regard to this. So this very good thing you have you have material. You have money or 
food cards. You have all kinds of things available to you. You could pay the rent. You could pay the gas and electric bill. You could buy these people Christmas presents for their kids or grandkids. And yet you feel like, well, that text or these biblical texts is not just a, a wide open, you just tell us how much and the church meets it. Is that what you're telling me? Is that, that that's I think what you're sharing? Well, the idea, uh, if anyone has uh, has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's a that's a fair text to contend with. The problem is, is it didn't say uh, if you close your wallet to them. It says if you close your heart to them. Mm-hmm. Now there's an implication there yeah. of we're we're going to do something there. But, uh, you know, and, and uh, that text actually came recently. Uh, it was a young man that confronted me. He didn't like the answer. The issue, he's a 20-something-year-old young man who who has trouble keeping a job more because of his attitude and mm-hmm. his mentality. And 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 so, and, and he's not, he could be working more. There's so much he could do for himself. And so what we recognized was as an act of acknowledging his capability, the answer was no, we're not going to mm. pr- provide to that because you can, you're capable. And and so he, the, the mindset that he had was basically, well, if anybody asks you for something, you're supposed to give it to them. And and if you, if you have these goods of, of the world, uh, then you're supposed to give it to them because they've asked for it. The, and one of the questions that we wrestle with is needs versus wants. What is an actual need mm-hmm. and what is a want? And when somebody is saying, hey, I need you to pay my rent, but I have a, 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 have a cell phone package. My cell phone could land a, a, a rocket on Mars. And <laughs> it's so amazing. And it's uh, you know three hundred dollar cell phone package. It's like the, the misappropriation of funds. What people mm-hmm. are doing, ultimately, uh, we still maintain our I would argue our common sense in that. We we recognize practical solutions uh, to help in this particular case to help this young man would have been a diminishing of uh, of an understanding for himself of his own capability. Uh, we would, I, I would argue, we would have sinned to just fill in his gaps and take care of things mm. for him, because uh, w- you know, would we be stewarding God's resources well into that? Uh, was is one question, and the other is, uh, are, what what are we doing in that relationship? That, that, that's a key point to pay attention to. A lot of times, people when they hear the word benevolence, they're thinking money mm-hmm. or stuff, right? Yeah. And and the, but the truth is. Uh, what we have realized is the high mark of benevolence is relationship. And here's how I tee that up when I, when I present this to groups. Uh, most people have probably given money to a homeless person. You pull up to the light. Uh, we all know that it's biblical law. If you make eye contact at the light and, you, and with the person at the corner, you're required to give them a dollar maybe two if you're hyper generous. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, and I don't know if you knew that. In, yeah, in well, yes. at least you feel guilty. First, first Hesitations, chapter 3, verse 4. Um, so we, we, uh, uh, so people do that. They, they, ha- they pull up there and they start experiencing this tension, as you mentioned. And, and what do they do? So, uh, you know, they feel guilty, so they hang a dollar out the window. So my question is people, to, to people, do, have you ever given money to a homeless person? Typically the answer is yes. Then I'll ask... Has, has anybody here, uh, you stopped, you prayed with them, and the hands will go a little bit higher. Uh, oh, yeah, I did that. Praise the Lord. And then my question is, what's his name? 
And the reality is we do things like that. That what happens at the, the corner at that light was not about benevolence. That was not a love offering. That was a guilt offering. We looked over at this person. Is it a guilt offering if somebody films you doing it and you post it on Facebook? Now, that is a whole different realm. (laughs) Sorry, I just kidding. One of my my pet peeves. I got you. (laughs) Trumpetblasters.com. You're able to post all your videos. Uh, Yeah, so, so the idea there is... That and I challenge people to say if you're not willing to engage in relationship with that person, and why do we not? Because of fear, because we're afraid we might get dirty. I don't know what it is, but but the things that keep us from engaging into that relationship with that person ends up diminishing what we're trying, what we think right. we're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. and we're responding to that out of guilt. So setting the high mark of relationship as the mark of of benevolence, way above the money that we give and the stuff that mm. we get. Can I say that's really helpful because I, as I'm listening to you talk and you're talking about being able to to identify the, the capability or not of an individual, you're going to have to know them. Right. I mean, you're still going to have to make a judgment call, but but you're going to have to know them to something. You're not at all able to assess that with the person who comes to the door at the church and knocks on it and wants you to to pay their rent or pay their their light bill and then that they leave and you don't get a chance to spend time with them so that's just helpful to think about well and and how how, when when the more we know somebody the more uh, we can be informed into that but but i would also say uh, being careful of remembering who we are like you know sometimes when people they don't get the answer that they want uh, i kind of have a list of things that people say it's kind of the pin you to the wall uh, because I'm mad at you statements. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those is, uh, well, I thought you were supposed to be a good Christian. Yeah. And my response to that is, why do you call me good? There's mm-hmm. no one good but the Father. I've heard that before. Uh, uh, yeah, and so it's recognizing that, and, I, and I'd let them know that. Say, like, I am a redeemed sinner. Uh, any uh, the sanctification that you see, and I don't use that word in that conversation, if you see anything good in me, you see the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see anything bad, that's me. That's my yeah. flesh. And and my and I tell them it's like so. Whatever bad you're about to say about me right. probably isn't bad enough. Now that usually ends the conversation as far as that that comeback. But the point of it is, uh, in in that interaction with somebody, it's also going into that interaction recognizing uh, I, when I meet with people before I meet with them, I take time to pray and consider. Uh, and, and just asking God that he would, uh, he would temper my pride because it's real easy to walk into to a conversation with somebody who is in need, um, the quote, the poor, and that's a whole other deal of defining the poor, especially in the United States of America. But, but engaging that conversation, what I ask is that, that I would um, recognize this person is more capable than me. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they're quote station is i don't care what their education is i just walk in assuming this person is more capable of whatever they need to do to take care of themselves than i am and then i add to the thinking that that gets built into that is recognizing um that in doing that it's building dignity into the process Mm -hmm. because because the tendency is you know, we Christians, we love to fix people, and we love fixing things, and we, we're going to fix that community, and we're going to fix this and fix that. And the problem is we'll do those things without any information. We're not informed. And is that really what we're supposed to be doing in that situation? What I, it, 
I, I encourage our the volunteers to, that you go into those conversations acknowledging their capability, thinking from that position that that person is very capable, and then, and then listening and helping them to articulate their own solutions, their own pathway of mm-hmm. how to make this better, rather than, uh, let me tell you, it is so much easier just to throw money. That's why we right. do that at the, at the stoplight. Mm-hmm. We throw money out the window, we drive away, and we feel awesome because we dropped a whole dollar into somebody's life, and it probably right. proclaimed Jesus, and now they're going to get saved. And the truth is... You know, in the context of that, we probably fed a, a sin monster there yeah. that's going on, yeah. and we're not really helping them. So, go ahead. Yeah. So, let's just try to deal with. We're gonna we're gonna go on and, and do another podcast here, but Danny, let's focus on the issues where you are able to give. You know, so I think there are able there are issues where you look at it and say this is a clear matter. Mm-hmm. This is maybe a warning, and this is a no. So let's deal, let's deal in the minutes that remain here with, like, what are some clear issues where you do say, this is something we, we do have to be involved in, and where you would say, because we recognize the, the issue, and John, First John, which we mentioned, is a brother. In Galatians, it says, let's do good to all men, especially those of the household of the faith. So there, there is this different, you want to be able to help anybody and everybody who needs, but here's a brother, or here is... Somebody maybe we don't know, they're not a brother, not part of the church, but would you recognize, what are some things that you would say, this is something you really ought to help in, and, and how do you do that? Well, the first thing, because you're alluding to the issue of member benevolence versus non-member benevolence right. is our tip, typical way of articulating that. Uh, and, and what we have, it, I'll get a phone call from somebody, and he'll say, hey, I've been a member f- uh, of the church for X, however long. It's usually some long time and s- since Jesus or whatever, and, uh, you know, the local church, and they, they, it's, they're positioning themselves, and then they'll say, I came upon this family in need, and I just want to know what the church could do to help them. And my response to that call is always the same. That is a beautiful question. What did you decide? And then there's awkward silence, and we have to go through that cycle two or three times before they get it, and they realize, wait a minute, I'm the church. One of the things that we do is we kind of create this idea that that the church is a social social service agency that we're a that, that benevolence is a department in the church. Mm. Instead, we've got to frame it that the church that, that as he realizes that I'm the church, that the role and responsibility of caring for those in need is the role of the church collectively, uh, individually. All of that works together. Uh, and then what we look at, it, what informs us, and I, so I would encourage the, starting out the idea of a new pastor, and he's kind of taken off into ministry. Um, so establishing some guidelines there for us, four categories uh, that inform us. First one, uh, categories of need. First one is uh, uh, stupid decisions, which people ask me temper that a little bit, but it is. We're all guilty of stupid decisions. I have a master's degree in stupid decisions. Yeah. So stupid decisions... We, we probably, and I can get into more of that later, but we, we probably should do something there. Yeah. But we want to help them. We want to bring counsel to them to help them to not do that again. Second one is unrepentant sin. Typically, that's in the form of addictions. Mm. We do not want to pay somebody's rent if they're going to then purchase heroin or whatever. They're right. going to feed the, the addiction. Uh, third category, laziness, entitlement. Uh, that's a sin, and we should not be feeding that. We should confront it as a sin. And then the fourth category, 
uh, when we contain the first three categories and recognize those from a, from a biblical perspective, it opens us up to be more generous when what we call life happens. It's that single mom who was diagnosed with cancer, and she's going to need a ton of help. And that's where, and for me, what, I, what we've come to realize is that that's where the church needs to show up big. Mm. That's good. So we're going to continue this conversation on the next podcast. Uh, so um, one of the things that um, th- that I want us to be able to talk about too, Danny, when we do that is this idea of, of helping people in the church versus outside mm-hmm. the church. So to just preempt that, I think that's an important issue. That's something that, that as a pastor of a small church with limited resources that we have wrestled with a lot. And I think that that's one of the things that we... Um, that we have to do. Um, but Jim, any closing thoughts before we move to uh, wrap this up and, and then we'll do another podcast to continue with Denny? Yeah, I, I'm just really struck by how much we need to be dependent on God for wisdom and in, in, in how to again appropriately steward. We, we, we want to show the heart of God, which is, which is generous. I mean, obviously, God is a giving God. And yet, we don't want to help people. We want to help people out of their sin, not in their sin. We want, to, and so, how do you, in, in ways you think, I, I'm being kind. I'm being. And, <laughs> that's a whole other, whole other discussion. But I'm being kind, and that means I'm being like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and there are times when that's actually not the case. And and allowing, uh, just that sometimes spur the moment decision. And, uh, and and how to meet this. And I think, Denny, you have some wisdom in how to think through ahead of time uh, in regard to that, which we'll get to in our next time together. Yeah, so let's, we want to preempt that time. So let me pray and close this time out. And then the next podcast will come uh, and we'll, uh, we'll continue this conversation. Right. Lord, would you uh, give those listening just wisdom as we've maybe even just scratched the surface on this issue? And we pray that you would uh, give us wisdom from your spirit to know how to best care for the poor in our church and outside the church and those who are struggling in ways that um, that can be helped by the church and those that cannot. And we pray, Lord, you would give us discernment, help the things we talk about we have here and even in the next podcast, uh, help pastors to sort through the very complicated and messy situations that we all face. And we, we're grateful for the help you give and the guidance you give by your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.